symphony it's the doo-wop show remember as we cruise down memory lane the earls remember them on the do 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 doo-wop show You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1 Evanston, Chicago. This is a previously recorded program, but we will be back live in the studio soon. Stay healthy. When dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his driver. Live from 
from WNUR News, I'm Justine Fisher. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, October 26, 2022. Tonight on WNUR News, Hindu students share how they celebrated Diwali this year, including a new club that hosted a special performance at Khan. What BTS fans will do now that the K-pop boy band is going on hiatus. They are leaving for mandatory service in the South Korean army. Then, a look into ghosting, but not the spooky kind. Students discuss their failed dating experiences. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Monday was the main day of Diwali. The festival celebrates the prevalence of light over darkness and good over evil. A new club, Hindu Youth for Unity, Virtues, and Action, or Hindu Yuva, worked this year to celebrate with a performance. At Khan Auditorium on Sunday, they hosted the Mandala Arts Group for a musical. Justine Fisher has the story. August 9th, and Northwestern sent out an email titled Information About Monkeypox. Dear students, the email detailed that monkeypox was spread through skin-to-skin contact, claiming it was not an STD, then linked outside resources for vaccination and offered limited isolation and medical leave options. Notably, it read, based on information provided through these discussions about the nature of the virus and its spread. WNUR is experiencing technical difficulties. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. Monday was the main day of Diwali. The festival celebrates the prevalence of light over darkness and good over evil. A new club, Hindu Youth for Unity, Virtues in Action, or Hindu Yuva, worked this year to celebrate with a performance. At Khan Auditorium on Sunday, they hosted the Mandala Arts Group for a musical. Justine Fisher has the story. Celebrated by millions around the world, the main day of Diwali was this past Monday. Here at Northwestern, Hindu students got together to celebrate the Festival of Lights. 
Weinberg freshman Vedmo Tusami observed the major holiday for the first time away from home. Honestly, it was very different because every time at home, you know, you have a uh, you have a like an elaborate ceremony and firecrackers and whatnot. But Weinberg senior Arushi Tawari said this is exactly why she started Hindu Yuva. Though the organization has chapters across many colleges, she and others brought it to Northwestern in the spring of last year. When you're away from home, it's like really, really depressing if you don't have a way to celebrate, um, you know, your festivals and the way, especially the way you used to do it at home. Um, so to have a group that like, you know, sort of has the like energy and like the willpower to, you know, bring the things that like you used to see at home to campus and like to make it happen, it's really exciting. And it's like, I'm super, super grateful for that. The group's main event was a performance called Ram Lila, the story of Ram. In Kata Auditorium on Sunday, they hosted the Mandala Arts Group for a musical about Lord Ram's life. Lord Ram is the figure celebrated on Diwali. We really liked um, sort of the like interpretation that this group was bringing to the table. Um, their show was like primarily dance um, and it was sort of like a nice blend of like Western dance, Indian classical dance. Um, it was a very diverse group of performers, so we really liked that as well. Hindu Yuva transformed Khan that night, adding traditional decorations and posters informing people of Hindu culture. But it turned out amazing. Um, we had a lot more people show up than I was originally expecting, so that was really exciting. Tawari estimates about 370 people attended. She said people from all walks of life came for the performance. I had like a lot of really like diverse people show up, so it wasn't just like people from you know, the Indian and like Hindu communities that there was like so many different um, religions and um, like races represented. So that was really exciting. Um, we also had like people from a bunch of different age groups. So there was undergrads, um, graduate students, there was like pre-professional people, there was adults, um, and then a lot of little kids, like people bought their kids and stuff. So that's really fun. Matusami, who is the freshman representative for Hindu Yuva, was interested to see that some of the performers themselves weren't Indian. Performers in the group came from Roosevelt University. Uh, the group is based in Roosevelt. Um, and some of them weren't even Indian. Uh, so I guess that just is a testament to like the uh, multiculturality of the whole affair. In the end, Tawari emphasized that Hindu Yuva's mission is all about building community. It's about having like a space where people can get together and, you know, bring things that they used to do at home, whether that was, um, you know, somewhere here or like around the world um, and just, you know, create sort of like a home away from home for people who um, want it. Matusami sees it the same way. I think it really provides a great space to uh, learn about, you know, a culture that's that's kind of not the easiest to learn about as you know we are a minority in this country um and you know kind of uh maintain your traditions as well as have fun and uh, gain some good mentors the tawari knows the event is of special value to those with a hindu background she's glad the event could also be a multicultural affair a bunch of us who like grew up in like hindu families and we you know we have these like traditions and like you know ways of celebrating things that we remember and like we kind of want to bring that to campus um 
Um, and not just to like, you know, obviously for ourselves, because we want to be able to celebrate um, while we're here and make this campus feel like home, but also to like share it with other communities who are interested in learning more about like Hindu traditions. For WNUR News, I'm Justine Fisher. Moving on to arts and entertainment. K-pop boy band BTS recently announced that they will be going on hiatus until 2025. But what does this mean for fans on campus and across the world? Brandon Kondritz has the story. What do Dynamite, Permission to Dance, and Butter all have in common? They're songs by the K-pop boy band BTS, of course. But listeners will be waiting a while to see the group live again, more than two years to be exact. Big Hit, the parent company of BTS, announced last week that all seven of the band's members will soon enlist in the South Korean military until 2025. Although the group has become an international sensation, they are required by South Korean law to complete at least 18 months of military service. BTS has been creating albums for nine years and is the best-selling artist South Korea has ever seen. Reaction to the news is mixed among millions of loyal members of the ARMY, BTS's official fan base, however. To find out what this means for listeners worldwide, I chatted with some members of Northwestern's K-pop community to see what they think. Longtime supporter and Weinberg first year Elizabeth Wong says that although some armies are holding out hope for an exemption from service, she feels that the decision is a personal one. I know a lot of other armies were kind of hopeful, I guess, that BTS would remain exempt. But for me, I always thought of it as a personal decision for the members of BTS. I imagine that they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to do what is like, feels right for them. So I felt like I didn't really have an opinion on it. Weinberg first year Taishia Woods says that her emotions are split, similar to many other members of the army. I feel two ways. As a fan, selfishly, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Since I kind of found them sort of late, I'm just now like getting caught up on all the inside jokes, all the things, you know, I can finally actively participate in the ARMY community and like now they're leaving. But honestly, like as a person, I know that this is something that was going to happen. It was inevitable. And it seems like they're, they made this decision themselves. So they're really proud of, you know, serving their country and things like that. First year Weinberg student Jamie Hong, who has been a BTS listener since summer of 2020, also feels that the members enlistment is necessary. For me personally, I don't have like that strong of an opinion on it. Because it's something based on the government, there's nothing they can really do to prevent it. And I also know that there were a lot of things in place to hold off from them having to do their military service. They're trying to change some kind of laws so that they wouldn't have to go. But I think it's definitely necessary. The law Hong mentioned was passed by South Korea's parliament in 2020, and it granted service exceptions to socially important figures. The bill states that any citizen that, quote, greatly enhanced the image of Korea, both within the nation and throughout the world, unquote, is allowed to postpone service until age 30. The oldest member, Jin, will be approaching that age this winter, so the band agreed it would be best for all other members to simultaneously complete their terms. The announcement isn't just affecting the attitudes of fans, however. There are already indications of a potential economic fallout due to lost entertainment revenue. A 2019 report by the business department at Korea University showed that three BTS concerts in Seoul, the country's capital, netted an overall economic effect equivalent to 860 million United States dollars, 
Other reports forecasted that the group is worth three and a half billion United States dollars to the country per year, and that figure has likely grown since then. This is all money that the country will lose by requiring the members to enlist, adding another perspective to the debate about whether or not they should serve. While fans are already looking forward to the band's return, some are unsure about the band's future. Hong thinks that while their music might still be popular, their fan base could weaken. And that's if the band is even interested in making music together upon their return. I don't know if by the time that all of them are back, they're going to be interested in still making music together. People are going to age, and like I'm sure that the current generation that's into them, they're going to grow out of it. And it's going to be hard trying to get a newer audience in when they're not, not producing any music. Wong and Woods, on the other hand, look forward to seeing what the group produces after 2025, believing that the army will stay strong during the break. I feel like at this point, I mean, as like a fan of them for probably like oh, um, like six years now, I relatively understand the bond that they have as a team and the bond that they have with their fans. And I feel like it's not something a few years of like distance is going to sever. So I feel like in that case, I think they're motivated to come back as a group eventually and give more music to the fans. I kind of hope that their music won't be exactly the same. I think there's something really beautiful about artists like as they grow, their music grows with them. So like it'd be kind of weird if we were listening to the same tracks they were making in 2020 and 2025. Personally, I like them for their skill set and for who they are as people and who they are as artists. So whether or not one song they produce is my personal type or not isn't going to make me like not be a fan anymore. So I'm just really excited to see them creating more music that they want to create, exploring new styles and stuff like that. For now, fans are still listening to their favorite BTS songs. It's Dionysus and that song is amazing. Making concert plans. I haven't gone to a BTS concert yet. Before I die, you know, before I die, I have to go to at least one. And finding community with fellow listeners at Northwestern and beyond. There are people at Northwestern. I, it was really funny. I actually made a little group chat of us when we first came. It's just nice to have, you know, a group of people to talk about the things that you're interested in. While millions of armies patiently wait for 2025, one thing is for sure. Life goes on. For WNUR News, I'm Brandon Condritz. This Halloween, college students reflect on the scariest phenomenon of them all, ghosting. Why did my future spouse cut off communication? Is my life over? Is this an appropriate way to break up with someone? Emily Yang compiles students' experiences to offer a more comprehensive overview. Jump scares and gore pale in comparison to the scariest sound of them all, Many of us have retaken Snapchats, rethought text messages, and turned friends to proofreaders of our most intimate thoughts, only to find ourselves abruptly cut off from communication. With the advent of social media and dating apps, ghosting has become a rite of passage for Gen Z, whether you're the victim or the perpetrator. From the recipient's end, ghosting involves the sudden and unexplained withdrawal of communication in a personal relationship. It's nonsensical, confusing, and admittedly quite damaging to the ego. I had the privilege and horror of compiling ghosting stories from college-age students across the country, including several from Northwestern. Here's what they had to say. I like this man during junior year, Joe. You know Joe. She met a boy on Tinder a couple years ago, and he was being dry. When I got ghosted, I was mainly just confused. They weren't looking for people like me. She really liked him. I was just upset. The girl in my friend group? Like, are you serious? 
because I didn't think I did anything wrong. And so then I came to terms with it after a decent amount of time. And honestly, pretty butthurt. I had a crush and then like we kissed and then he didn't want to talk to me again. Is that ghosted? To my surprise, when I asked friends and peers to provide either stories of being ghosted or reasons for why they ghosted someone, the latter received many more submissions. This may be more telling of the people I surround myself with than the prevalence of ghosting itself. Nevertheless, from the mundane to extreme, here are various interviewees' reasons for cutting off contact with another individual. I've definitely ghosted people before, not many, but a handful of people. It was only someone I had seen like, I don't know, once or twice. I was at this club and I made out with this guy. I tend to do this thing where if I'm at a bar, I'll get drunk and then I'll kiss someone. I ghosted a boy because we had been talking for so long and I like stopped liking him. And then he asked for my phone number for some reason, an intangible reason. The morning I found out he was 25 and I was 18, so I proceeded to not respond to his text. They could have just said something weird or done something weird and my perception of them would immediately turn negative. I was also just kind of depressed. It wasn't like unintentional or like targeted ghost. And then the next morning I just will not respond and it's happened like low-key a couple times. Done, so then I left him on open for five months. Removed as a follower, removed as a Snapchat friend, like deleted their number, whatever it was. Also, I think I kind of like the anonymity of it, just like having like one memory that you leave in the past. Like I think there's a sense of freedom in that. Whether you came off too strong, had a slightly cuter best friend, or simply entered another's life at the wrong time, rest assured that it's not you, it's them. Ghosting may be a powerful tool to cut off contact if you're uncomfortable or simply can't spill your feelings. But when does it cross the line? So this didn't happen to me, but it happened to my friend. She met a boy on Tinder a couple years ago in December, um, and they got along pretty well, and then they were exclusive a couple months later. They were probably dating from February to June, and they hung out like a lot, and she really liked him. The story you're hearing now is from a mutual friend whose partner completely ghosted her after months of dating. Unlike the past stories I've included, this wasn't just a one-night stand or awkward will-we-won't-we that never came to fruition. This is the cruelest breakup I could imagine in the context of ghosting. Once she went back home, he barely talked to her. He was going through a hard time, but she tr kept trying to reach out. She finally got a hold of him, and they were planning on FaceTiming for the first time in weeks that night. When she went to call him, she saw that he, she was blocked. He blocked her on the phone, on Snapchat, and on Instagram. She made me add him on Snapchat, and he added me right away. Their school is pretty big, so she hasn't seen him around at all. If you're ghosted, don't take it personally. Maybe they experienced a personal tragedy, moved across the country, or dropped their phone down a storm drain. But if there is one thing to take away from the spookiest of seasons, it is usually best to let someone down easy. A simple text will always work. For WNUR News, I'm Emily Yang. And rounding us out tonight, a new edition of NU Sports Report from reporter Jonah Turner. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for the weekly NU Sports Report. I'm Jonah Turner, and here's your look at Northwestern Sports.
The Wildcats returned to action in football this week, traveling to College Park to face the Maryland Terrapins. The Cats extended their losing streak with a 24-31 loss, falling to 1-6 on the season and to 1-3 in the Big Ten. Brandon Sullivan made his first collegiate start, replacing Ryan Holinsky behind center. He had a solid debut, going 18-24 for 24 for 134 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. He also rushed for 53 yards and a touchdown. Despite his all-around performance, these interceptions proved costly, one turning the momentum to the Terrapins coming out of halftime and the other ending the game. Evan Hole put in another stellar performance with 20 rushes for 119 yards and adding 31 yards and a touchdown through the air. However, the Cats couldn't stop the Maryland running back Roman Hemby, who put up 179 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner. The Cats will seek to halt their six-game slide this Saturday, traveling to Iowa City to face defensive powerhouse Iowa. The game will be at 2.30 on ESPN2. Women's soccer finished their season with a 2-0 victory over number 17 Ohio State last Sunday. Goals by Emma Phillips and Meg Bodie powered the Cats to a confident victory and a final record of 13-3-2. Having already finalized a spot in the Big Ten tournament, the victory secured home field advantage in their first-round matchup, which will be held this Sunday at 12 p.m. against Rutgers. The Cats enter the tournament as the second seed, and Sunday's game will also be available to watch on Big Ten+. Men's soccer also played last Sunday with a close loss to Wisconsin on senior day. A tight and physical game that saw seven yellow cards started quickly with the 15-minute goal by Wisconsin's Max Keenan. After that, it was a brutal grind for the rest of the 90 with the Cats unable to secure a goal. The men are currently 2-8-5 and five, and finish the season away at Michigan State this Sunday at 1 p.m. Central. The game will be on Big Ten+. Plus. Field hockey also had their senior day this past weekend, with the number three Cats defeating number six Michigan 1-0 in dramatic fashion, with a goal in the second overtime period. The goal was scored off a penalty corner by Lauren Wadas, with only 40 seconds left in overtime. The win sees the Cats move to 13-3. The Cats travel to Bloomington Friday to face Indiana at 2 p.m. and continue on to Oxford, Ohio to face Miami of Ohio on Sunday at 11 a.m. The Indiana game will be live on Big Ten Plus, and the Miami game will be live-streamed on YouTube. Northwestern Volleyball had a busy weekend, defeating Rutgers and Maryland in consecutive days out on the East Coast. The Cats dominated both games, defeating Rutgers 3-1 and dominating with 60 kills, double that of Rutgers, and 8 aces compared to Rutgers 1. The following day, Northwestern rolled Maryland in straight sets, moving to 15-7 on the season and 4-6 in the Big Ten. The Big Ten schedule continues this Friday in Welsh Rhine Arena at 8 p.m. against number 12 Purdue, and again on Sunday at 1 p.m. against Iowa. The Purdue game will be watchable on Big Ten Network, while the Iowa game will be available on Big Ten+. Plus. A quick shout-out to the women's golf team for finishing 8th at the Stanford Intercollegiate Championship, and to men's tennis players Ivan Yatsuk and Semi Bratham for reaching the semifinal of the Midwest Regional at the University of Illinois. I'm Jonah Turner, WNUR News. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.24 p.m. Central Time. A look at the weather for tonight. Expect mostly clear skies for tonight. Temperatures will drop to as low as 44, but will return to the low 50s for tomorrow. Expect slightly warmer conditions for the weekend with a possible chance of rain on Sunday. Now taking a look into the headlines. NU Dining is bringing soft serve ice cream to Plex East. It will be available starting in November with allergen friendly and vegan options. 
the Safety Act is not going to be on the Illinois ballot, but it is still a critical issue for voters. The controversial criminal justice reform bill tackles policing, sentencing, pretrial detention, and the elimination of cash bail. At least eight organizations and two star athletes have distanced themselves from Kanye West after anti-Semitic comments. These include Adidas, Balenciaga, TJ Maxx, Vogue, Gap, and more. Kim Kardashian also posted on Instagram, calling for an end to his hateful remarks. Today, Germany announced plans to legalize recreational cannabis. Health Minister Karl Lauterbach is rolling out the reforms in an effort to end Germany's, quote, unsuccessful fight against drug-related crime. That's all for WNUR News. Oh, sorry. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programs.